There we go. It's Jordan Scruggs, one half of It's Only an Hour with Jordan and Jeb Howe. Uh, doing great work over at Horns 27 and great work with us here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, giving you phenomenal inside information 24 7, 365. Now it's time for the award winning midday program with Trey and BK. What's going on, brother? Not a lot. How you doing today? Doing good. I'm doing good. Um, Texas basketball got a win. You and I got to watch the last minute of that game together. And yeah. we are taking all. Thank yous for the Longhorns winning because when we turned the game on at the restaurant we were at, Texas was down 73 to 70 with about 55 seconds left. And the Longhorns didn't give up a point while we were watching. They went on a 4-0 run to end the game and were able to come from behind to get a uh, road victory at Cincinnati. So that was a nice win for Texas and feeling, feeling good for that and feeling good for a few other things today. Yeah, look, they were not favored in that game, which I didn't even know until you told me as we were pulling the game up on ESPN+. Plus. Thanks, Big 12. So for them to have won as an underdog on the road, I guess is uh, it's a step in the right direction after what happened to them against Texas Tech at home last Saturday. Yeah, they needed it. I went back after dinner, and I guess one good thing about ESPN+, Plus or just games on ESPN in general, is that they put replays on the ESPN app like immediately after games go final. Not just basketball. They do that for football, too, which is huge. I uh, went back, watched the game last night. Huh? I said, you hear that, YouTube? I know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I uh, went back and watched the game last night. Hell of a game. 14 ties, 14 lead changes. Uh, and Texas needed it. Uh, I know Texas was a five-and-a-half-point dog, as you mentioned, but Cincinnati was picked to finish 11th in the Big 12 before the season started. And if Texas would have opened up conference play with a home loss against Texas Tech, who's expected to be a middle-of-the-road team, and a loss to Cincinnati, who was expected to be one of the worst teams in this league, I think they'll probably finish higher than 11th based on what I've seen from them. But still, uh, that would not have been a good sign for Texas. So, uh, game two is never a must win in conference play because you've got 18 total games. So it would be foolish to say that uh, a game this early in league play matters that much. But boy, Texas really would have put itself behind the eight ball if they want to compete in this Big 12. And obviously, if they want to make sure that they're making it into the NCAA tournament, uh, a loss last night would have hurt a lot. So doesn't matter that it was only by one. Finding a win was huge. Reinserting Dylan DeSue into the lineup is a big deal. And if they can get that version of DeSue on the offensive end of the floor, that alpha dog who is not only uh, doing his thing in and around the paint, but also hitting threes like he was last night, I feel much better about Texas' chances going forward. Oh, man, 33 for DeSue, a career high. And they needed every single one of those 33 points. Caden Shedrick didn't play. So I, I assume when Shedrick is healthy, and hopefully that's this Saturday because it was a game time announcement basically that told us Shedrick wasn't going last night. Uh, I assume when Shedrick's healthy, hopefully this weekend in Morgantown, Brock Cunningham will go back to the bench and you'll have both the Sioux and Shedrick in the starting lineup. But yeah, like this, this makes me question Rodney Terry a little bit because uh, I thought the reason Dylan the wasn't in the starting five was because he wasn't healthy and he's been on this minutes restriction. And based on the way he played last night, it's like, no, that, that guy is fine, and he probably should have started against Texas Tech, and he probably, definitely should have played more than 17 minutes in a loss against Texas Tech. Yeah, that's maybe the bigger deal to me than him not starting necessarily. It's playing him the proper minutes to go from 17 to what he did last night. Like, it seems like there was a discrepancy there, and maybe he's having conversations with DeSue behind the scenes to see what he's comfortable with, but... Clearly, he's he's good to go going forward. So hopefully, this is a guy that when he's out there, he can be highly effective. We saw it at the end of last season, too. We saw it going back to uh, his time when he was at Vanderbilt. When he's out there, he's a great player, one of, if not the best player on the court. It's about him staying out there, though, because he has dealt with injuries throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, he was the best player on the team throughout the Big 12 tournament when Texas won that, and then was the best player on the team through... Uh, the first few games of the NCAA tournament before he obviously got hurt. And that's one of those unfortunate what ifs with Texas basketball. What would have happened if he never went down last year? So I understand them being a little bit more cautious with him. But after the loss last weekend, they, they didn't have that luxury anymore. I think that they thought they might be able to get away with it against Texas Tech. Clearly, they couldn't. And they've learned their lesson now, I guess, is 
is the hope going forward that we don't see uh, anything like that going forward with Dessou having limited minutes, unless his body is hurting, unless he's dealing with an issue that requires him to scale down a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. I think RT realized the importance of last night's game and was like, I mean, look, he was shorthanded because Shedrick didn't play. Maybe that was part of the decision too. But I think RT is like, no, we, we got to win this game. And then early on when it was obvious that Dessou was on one, it was like, I, I got to leave this guy out there. Like, I'm sure Rodney Terry did not want to play Dylan Dessou 34 minutes after playing him 17 just three days prior in that game at the Moody Center. But I think Rodney Terry was like, dude, this is clearly going to be a close game. I'm going to need my best player on the floor right now. This is clearly the best guy that we've got. So we're going to push it a little bit. And Dessou after the game was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, felt great. So hopefully uh, if he felt great today and hopefully he's in the starting lineup the next time the Horns take the floor at the WVU Coliseum. That's a game you got to yeah. win because West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12. So uh, don't lose that one because all the good graces that you built up after that win at fifth, third center last night, uh, they go away if you crap the bed in Morgantown. I, I hope that they just stayed north after last night's game and just fly. Maybe they fly into Pittsburgh for a couple of days, but just to make it easier for them to get into Morgantown versus coming all the way back sticking around for a day and then flying to West Virginia. I just hope this is like a road trip for them, like a true on team bonding road trip in between these two games. And of course, getting some practices in between. Is today going to be a culture Wednesday like Texas football has? Is that a thing? Yeah. Sark talks about it a lot. They've got culture Wednesdays. What do they do? I think it's something different every week, but some sort of team bonding exercise to build culture. I love that. Didn't know that it was a thing, but I have no issues with it. I think that it is a very healthy thing for a team to do stuff like that, where you're still together experiencing stuff. It could be fun stuff. It could be hard stuff, but you're experiencing stuff together that works towards the greater good of making sure that when you are on the most important task for your group, which for Sark and company is playing good football that you're just that much more dialed in for yourselves, but also for one another too. No solo raw dogs. We do our raw dogs together here. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's uh yeah. If we're, if we're calling it, if we're referring to it in sexual terms, it's a group thing. Mm. Gang bang orgy orgy. There it is. That's the word that I couldn't find. Jesus. Am I having a stroke? I couldn't think of orgy. Yeah, I know you're into those, too. This is just a bit by you to try to act like that's not something you love doing. So nicely nope, done. Nope, nope, nope. I've had one opportunity, and it was really weird. There being another, oh, boy, this is about to get really dark. If you have kids around right now. Turn up the volume. Conversation. They got to learn about this stuff. Seeing one other erect penis in the room with me was just uh, a little bit too strange for me to do anything other than go into the corner turn away, suck my thumb, and cry a little bit. It wasn't what, happening. Is that what happened before that Alamo Bowl that one year? Yeah. That was also the reaction after the Tyrone Swoops Texas Bowl against Arkansas a decade <laughs> ago. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, that, was a, that was a gangbang right there by Arkansas against Texas. Yeah, and I was I was in the stands for it in Houston. That sucked. That Texas team did get raw dogged by Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema just put all of his raw dogging weight on top of Texas that night, and it killed us. Because that amount of weight would kill anybody. Yeah, thank you, Coach. We know, we are aware. Hey, uh, Monkey says Herman piss test Tuesdays. Uh, did you see what Tom? <laughs> Underrated day of the week in Texas football history. Piss test Tuesdays. <laughs> did you see what uh, Tom Herman did earlier today? No. So the final coaches poll of the season was released, I think, yesterday. But I guess today they, like, unveiled all the ballots. So you could see which coaches voted for which teams. Oh, did Tom Herman go petty on us? He left Texas guess, out. Like, tried to throw himself through a plate glass window to get his team to do push-ups or something. His test Tuesdays and Sledgehammer Thursdays with Tom Herman now at Florida Atlantic. And, and yeah, he drone-helmeted player Saturdays, which worked out really well. Yeah, that's 
It's not very mint. Wednesdays. God, Tom Herman did have a different day for every week. I think uh, Sundays was Kendra Scott Sundays, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. I don't know if they're closed on Sundays. I'm not sure. Maybe that's why they were closed on. Anyways, uh, Tom Herman left Texas outside of his top five. He had the Longhorns at number six in his final coaches poll of the year. Uh, Texas finished the coaches poll number four. It was Michigan one, Washington two, Georgia three, Texas four, and then Alabama at number five. So I I, I think Texas should have been ahead of Georgia, but uh, I, I don't have much of a problem with that. Like if Georgia and Texas played on a neutral field, Georgia would be favored. So for a coach to think that Georgia should be ranked ahead of Texas, even though they didn't make the playoff and Texas did, I can't be too critical. But to leave Texas outside of your top five, like that's that's pettiness, that's sour grapes, that's a joke. Other than those three teams, what other teams did Tom Herman have ahead of Texas? Uh, let me pull it up right here because I tweeted it out from Texas Sports Unfiltered. He had Michigan 1, Washington 2, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida State. Of course, now he's a Florida guy because he's at FAU, so he had to show some love for his own state. FSU number five, and then the Longhorns at six. As one former well-known Houston coach said upon Tom Herman's hiring to people on back channels, didn't say this in public, but hope you enjoy the show because Tom Herman is always performing. He said that? Yeah. Who, Who was that? Donald Sterling? Nope. He's got AIDS. Although Tom Herman kind of does look like he has full-blown AIDS. He has lost a lot of weight. It's it's a disturbing amount of weight. It is to the point, I, I'm guessing that he is just low to no carb, but it does look like he is suffering from some sort of serious illness. Like he vacationed in India a couple of summers ago and caught a parasite that just hasn't gone away, which is easy to do in India because they wipe with their left shake hands and prepare food with the right, but how are you preparing food with only one hand? Things already aren't sanitary in India. I mean, most of their alleys serve as sewage systems. You got to assume that that white hand is also being used to prepare your food. I went into an Indian restaurant. I don't know how I just ended up here, BK, but here we are. I went into an Indian restaurant over the weekend with the intent of actually ordering and eating food. But I have talked about this so much now, I freaked myself out. Even though it was here in the States, and I'm sure they have normal sanitary habits, it smells like an Indian restaurant, which is fine. It's got a very distinct smell, but I couldn't get it out of my head that there was a good chance that the person who prepared my food wiped it with left, and no matter how much they wash their hand, it's not clean enough. Oh, my God. It was a lot of food, too, like $6 worth of food. Probably like a white guy back there cooking up the food. No, it wasn't a white guy. I saw everybody in the restaurant. They were all giving me weird looks. I was the one. Indians don't like you? That restaurant. Oh. Nice enough, but I was also getting weird looks that I came in to uh, to get a dosa from this place. And then I started asking stupid Cracker Barrel level questions, and then they realized that I was was a jamoke. And Mm. so they, they probably did their normal thing. They didn't do anything malicious, but I've psyched myself out with that piece of information now. Yeah, you've psyched me out, too. I mean, I don't think I ever really wanted to go to India before I heard that story, but now I have zero interest, held negative interest in ever going to that country. There are a lot of other places. If you're traveling internationally to Asia, there are a lot of other places to go first. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man. Wipe with their... That is gross. Did you go to the bathroom to see if they had one of those, like, employees must wash hands signs or something just to check? I did. That sign said employee must use their left hand. Oh, I didn't really know what that meant and kind of figured it out later. Yeah, I uh, I don't like that sign very much because I just end up waiting in the bathroom for a long time because then I have to have an employee wash my hands. I think that's what it means. Mm. So I, I have to stay in the bathroom until an employee comes in and then I just stick my hands out and they're like, what the fuck are you doing i'm like i'm reading the sign can't you read this is your place of work it says employee must wash hands so i have to wait for that to happen what did you go to Derek zoolander's school for kids who can't read good (laughs) needs to be at least three times this size 
Oh, man. I don't know how we got here. I don't know what we're talking about today. Yeah, I'll tell you something that we can talk about. Bucky called like an hour ago badgering me about this picture that Zay and I took in New Orleans. Like, this is some sort of horrible picture. I'm here to tell you people. It's an innocent picture involving two guys sharing a bowl of gumbo. What the hell is wrong here? Here's the picture for those watching on the YouTube. And if you're not, thank you for listening on the app. But uh, it's a picture of Trey and Zay in New Orleans sharing a bowl of gumbo. It looks like their hands are touching each other. Oh, boy, I didn't realize that. They both have a little bit of gumbo in their respective spoons. They're not sharing a spoon. They each have their own spoon, but they they both have uh, a spoonful of gumbo in their hands. They're smiling. I can't tell if this is a selfie or someone else took it. That's but, how you know it's a good selfie, because that is a selfie, but you can't see my right arm taking that picture. I see. Yeah, Bucky said Chip took this picture, and I'm like, Chip wanted no part of this shit, dude. No, Chip was uh, en route to uh, inviting us to uh, one of the worst parties in the history of humanity. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, now they don't want another dab with our spoon hands. <sighs> and we're about to eat what was pretty delicious gumbo at Giacomo's, okay? Why didn't you each get your own cup of gumbo? Because they only offered one size. We both agreed that we neither of us wanted a bowl. And so when I ordered the bowl, I said, would you mind splitting that up into two bowls? He, the waiter said, no, but I will bring you two spoons. And Zay and I looked one another and they're like, all right, cool. Two spoons. That's fine. What about an extra bowl? Like, hey, we'll pour it into the other bowl. Can you bring us uh, something else, please? This place was busy, and this was clearly what their policy was, and I wasn't going to go full-blown Karen to try and get a second half bowl of gumbo. Did you cross No, arms? we did not go Lady in the Tramp or the, the Stoop Spoon version of that and wrap arms, CV, and feed one another, feed ourselves while we had this loving interlock if they really wanted to i would be willing to have that conversation i wouldn't feed him but i would be willing to twist our arms around and feed myself but that's not what happened <laughs> we each each ate our share of gumbo and it was good There's nothing wrong with that did i share a little bit of mouth microbiome with zay that night because yeah. inevitably that's what happens when two people are dipping their spoons into the same bowl? Yeah. But guess you, what? I shared armpit microbiome with Bucky on that trip. He and I were roommates, and I forgot my deodorant. So I had to you, use the deodorant one morning. No. Yeah, and I shared genital microbiome at one point, even if he doesn't realize it. These things happen when you're on a guy's trip to a place like New Orleans. All bets end up off, and you just have to be okay swapping spit or swapping germs with one another at times. No, I can literally see Zay's saliva falling off your spoon in that picture right there, dude. <laughs> That's a piece of chicken. Whatever, dude. That is nasty right there. And speaking of nasty, you used Bucky's deodorant? Yeah. Uh, please tell me you're kidding. I used your baby powder. What of it? Uh, I didn't bring baby powder because I was mad at myself for not bringing baby powder on that trip. But no, deodorant. No, that's gross, dude. Like, I know. Oh. I didn't feel good about it, but I smelled it first, and it smelled like deodorant. So I was like, all right, this will be okay. And then after I put some deodorant on, I smelled it again. It didn't smell like armpit. It still just smelled like deodorant. So I knew we were okay. Oh, God. Was this the night that you came back super drunk and you woke up hungover not knowing what happened? No, this would have been not... Oh, the, the picture? Yeah. Oh, yes, it was that night. Oh, boy. You said you were it's hurting the next day. You were having, you were having trouble walking. You couldn't remember much from the night before. Oh, no. This was early in the evening, though, when we were sharing a gumbo. This was early. Uh, maybe there was more than just gumbo y'all shared that night. You know... know. I hope to one day live in a world, BK, where two men can share a bowl of gumbo without people freaking out. That's what I hope one day. Ah, uh, It's more than just the sharing of the gumbo. It's the little hand caressing you guys are doing 
over there. That's called gumbo dap, okay? Skin-to-skin contact going on. All the kids are doing it. (laughs) No chance, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, the buck uh, called you out on this one. And look, cool with two dudes sharing stuff like this, but two married dudes? Did you tell your wives about all the spit y'all swapped? I'm glad that some of you people can get homoerotic humor out of a very innocent moment between two guys who are comfortable in their own marriages and in their own heterosexuality to be able to enjoy a bowl of gumbo together, okay? To share that oral microbiome with one another in a bowl of gumbo in a place like New Orleans where all bets are off. New Orleans, completely illogical but magical is what they like to say. Oh. That oh, bowl of gumbo proves as much. It was a magical night that you two shared together, huh? <laughs> You keep saying everything goes as if it helps your argument, but it it really makes my mind wonder and everyone else's mind wonder what uh, what else happened that night. Hmm. Hold on, who what who just said this? Who just add. said this? Where did this go? Monkey five one two. Who was the little spoon? I think I had the littler spoon. If I'm gauging that picture right now. I think I was the little spoon in this scenario here. Hmm. But we would have to rewind the tape to know for sure. Yeah. We don't have tape to rewind, so you'll just have to guess. That's good to know you guys didn't film it. Thanks for that. I well, done. I had a conversation with him about breaking the video out. And he's like, do we really want this to be on video for people to possibly see down the road? And I said, you're probably right about that. We don't need a video. Uh, we'll take a picture to remember this magical night oh my gosh couple of texts on the coda text line was zay a gentleman and give you a reach around too there were no reach arounds there's no need to to give reach arounds when you're enjoying a, a bowl of gumbo with another man i can't see where your right hand is here though that's a little concerning to me my right hand, yeah. L- l- let me tell you, if I'm giving him a reach around right now, they need to uh, test my right arm because I have some sort of superhero power that I'm not even totally sure of. My right hand is on that my phone that is taking that picture. I am an adept selfie taker where you can't tell that I'm taking the selfie. Everybody's been asking the question, who's taking that picture? It wasn't Chip. He was about to set us up for a shit-ass party at the Sheridan. It was me, damn it. Shit-ass party at the Sheridan. Oh, whoa. Ass party at the... That's for y'all. Ah, okay. It's all coming together now. Mm -mm. And I guess your arm is like Charlie Strong's finger. Just that that huge. Amazing. That would not not be good. To have big hands and fingers is one thing. If you had one arm... (laughs) That was so long that I could literally, from where my arm was going, I'm giving, I'm going around Zay's left side to his right side and giving him a reach around. That would be a problem. Hey, intern Mason has weighed in. He was with us in the Big Easy last week, and he comments, to be fair, Brock and I shared a drink with Zay, and we had to share straws. Okay, well, look at that. We were talking about orgies earlier. What was going on in that Airbnb? Mason has no idea. He was too shit-faced the entire time. <laughs> yeah, he was he was drunk. But he's in college. He should have been shit-faced the entire time. Hey, well, maybe not when he was working, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's New Orleans. Yeah. Logical but magical. He, uh, he passed the koozies around. He did a good job. Well, yeah, it's also that. first rule of New Orleans, too. Assume that everybody is drunk. So you have to do your part in that scenario. It's true. Believe me, I wish I was drunker than I was. I did it too. I went to mm, mm. this night hard that first day to where I couldn't be drunk the rest of the time. I was disappointed in my performance, you know? You were too hard the first night and you couldn't. It's an unfortunate choice of words there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a show. All right. So there's that picture. I might have to tweet this out later. Or posted on Instagram to get more people's thoughts on just exactly what 
is going down here. I previewed today's show on Twitter, so you can just retweet what I put out there. Oh, did you did you announce that this was coming? It included the picture. Yeah, here, let me find the tweet for you real quick. I hope we one day live in a world where two men can share a bowl of gumbo without people freaking out. A possible quote from today's edition of Trey and BK. Tune in from 12 to 1. I give the links for where you can tune in with the picture below. And you did give that quote. <laughs> I read it verbatim. I wanted to make sure to, to have the payoff there. God bless. Uh, uh, dude on Dude Gumbo Adventures with Trey and Zay in New Orleans. Ebony and Ivory, as uh, Coach 420 says. Yeah, I hear there were some names being called earlier with you and Buck. I don't know what those names were, but people need to grow up. Was it us calling y'all names or was it the... It was the texters calling names. I can't remember what they said. I don't know. If you got names, don't stop. Keep them coming, please, on the YouTube comment line or the code of text line, 512-222-9328. Thank you, no way. Yes. Very nice. Thank you for the super chat. I don't know if that's in support of you or support of us making fun of you, but either way, we will uh, happily take it. No way. Thank you. I think it's for all comers, BK. Okay. There's another word you could have used there. I am talking about everybody who's a part of this process, as you like to say. Oh, God. So it was an orgy. All right. We're doing a live read here. Uh, maybe what Tom McKay would. Fucking, what fucking client are you going to saddle with this horrificness? Oh, Tom McKay, of oh, course. Of course. And audiovisual consultations. We love him. AVConsultations.com. He's one of our best friends. He's one of the funniest people on the planet. But uh, more importantly than all of that, he can hook you up with the home TV setup of your dreams. I got the two screens with uh, some of our great advertisers behind me. AV Consultations hooked it up. They look great. It's perfectly done, mounted on the wall, no wires sticking out. The TVs work great. Uh, I've got seven TVs in my apartment, and AV Consultations hooked all of them up. They all work great. They're all super easy to use, and they can do that for your home. If you want a bunch of different screens in one room like I have, or if you want that home theater room with the surround sound for movies, for shows, for sports, uh, you can do that. AV Consultations, they've been in business since 1988. They've been around longer than I've been alive. They can hook you and your family up. Just give them a call. 512-255-8678. That's 255-8678. And also, shout out to Old Stab Beer. We're talking about drinking in New Orleans. Uh, if you're looking to drink here in the state of Texas, look no further than Old Stab Beer. It's the only beer that I drink here in Austin. And uh, I think if y'all try it, you're going to like it. One sip and you won't go back to the other beers you've been drinking in the past They've got a bunch of different brews. If a lager's your thing, they've got it. If a Kolsch is your thing, they've got it. Hefeweizen, if you want a light beer, right, trying to be a little bit healthier in the new year, uh, they've got that too. Something for every beer drinker out there, but they all taste great. I'm telling you guys, you will not regret making the switch to Altstadt. No impurities, no regrets. Okay, Trey, a couple of things we can get into here. David Benda announced that he is coming back for another season. That feels kind of important after we've heard like seven or eight other Longhorns announce that they are leaving for the NFL. It's always good to hear that one of these guys is coming back. David Benda was one of the more consistent performers over the last three or so games at linebacker BK. PFF-wise, I think he graded out as the best linebacker in that semifinal matchup, and we saw him really flash some of that evolution and development at the end of the season. He is a guy who struggled a bit at times, but he has, he, he did make plays all throughout last year. I remember he had that huge highlight play sack against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And so I think that this is a big deal for Texas to get David Benda back, especially with the conversation we had yesterday where I'm like, I have no idea what linebacker is going to look like next year. Like you think that Anthony Hill might take over for Jalen Ford, uh, in that mic spot, as Eric Nalin talked about on this channel a couple of days ago, you hope to get David Benda back. Maurice Blackwell provides a unique skill set, and they do have some guys on the roster and perhaps may look in the transfer portal just to add depth to the position group. So I'm a big fan of this move. I think it's maybe even being a little bit underrated by Texas fans right now. Like People are happy 
You love to get guys back, but I don't think people realize just how good David Benda can be for this defense next season. Yeah, I'm with you. He got better from 2022 to 2023, but I also feel like he got better throughout 2023 yeah. as well. And you said it down the stretch, he was uh, maybe Texas's best linebacker at times. So yeah, with another year in this system, you'd like to think he could develop even more. And uh, I expect him to be one of the best players on this Longhorn defense next season. And you're right, like this linebacker room, depth has been an issue, especially this year, right, with the Marvion Overshow and leaving for the NFL. Like depth was a question coming in, and Texas probably wasn't as deep as Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski would have liked at linebacker this year. But even though you lose Jalen Ford, you've got Benda, you've got Blackwell. I really think Anthony Hill is going to spend most of his time playing more traditional linebacker next year because I just I think well number one he played a lot of that down the stretch this year and number two I think Texas just has more depth at edge than they do at linebacker but you've got Hill and the freak athlete that that guy is and then Jordan and Jeff and I were talking about this like Leona LaFau apparently we need to talk about that dude more because that guy that guy turned heads this year and Jordan said in the last hour on it's only an hour that if Anthony Hill like ended up committing elsewhere all of those reps that Anthony Hill got this year would have gone to Leona LaFau. Now, would he have been as good as Anthony Hill? Probably not, because Hill's a freaking monster. But no, this coaching staff really feels like they've got something special with LaFau, who played a lot on special teams this year. Like, he could be another depth piece there, too. So where you're talking about four or five guys in that linebacker room that you feel like can uh, make a positive impact on this team. I hope that that's the case. I... At this point, I really try hard to exercise caution with guys that we haven't actually seen on the field. So do I know that Jordan knows his shit and that he's got great sources on this stuff? Absolutely. So he'll be on my ra radar now, too. But I am going to have to see it for myself at this point. I've just, you know, you, you hear too much about guys who are waiting in the wings that don't end up being that dude to say that he has Anthony Hill type skill. Uh, gives me cause for caution because we don't see Anthony Hill type linebackers come around these parts too often, you know? I don't know if it was Anthony Hill type skill. It was if Anthony Hill wasn't here, LaFau was good enough to where he'd have taken those reps. Like I, so I, I don't I say that LaFau would have been starting at linebacker this year though, which means that yeah. you'd have, to have some version of that, right? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I expect him to be that good. If he is shit. Okay. Sign me up. But I mean, I don't, if he was I, I don't want to freshman linebacker. It's, it's not a one-to-one -one, obviously, but he's obviously damn good. If he's starting at linebacker for this year's defense, even as thin as they were at linebacker, you know, for sure. No, it's hey, if LaFau was close to Anthony Hill, that'd be amazing. Cause Hill was already one of Texas's best defenders this season as a true frosh and the sky's the limit for him. But if LaFau, Hell, if next year LaFau can be as good as this year's Anthony Hill, then all of us would sign up for that in a heartbeat. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. They're looking at that, uh, what, Kendrick Blackshire from Alabama just entered the portal a couple of days ago. He could be a linebacker option. Uh, obviously, that guy has played more snaps than Leona LaFau. So uh, if Texas is looking for more experienced production there, they could uh, really make a push for Blackshire. But I think uh, they're going to be okay, even though Jalen Ford is gone and he's been a monster for this team, uh, I still feel like linebacker, even if they don't make another addition in the portal, is uh, not going to be a weakness. I don't know if it's the best position group for Texas, but I don't think it's going to be something that uh, we're all that worried about when we get to the fall. So good news on David Bennett coming back for a sixth season. It's crazy. Six years for David Benda, apparently. I thought oh, was really? Six. I know. Wow. I Another COVID guy. Okay. This may be the last offseason. It may not be. Who fucking knows? As you said, we might be might be able to lure Ed Oliver away from the Buffalo Bills because he was playing football, albeit professionally, during the COVID year. I have no no idea yeah. what's going to happen next. Bender was in the 20th year coming up now, too, which I think theoretically means that we could get a seventh-year guy next offseason. Who knows anymore? I mean, you're right. Alan Bowman's getting year seven. There's a kid at Miami applying for a year nine. What? Year year nine. Yeah, they've got a tight end by the name of Cam McCormick who has applied for a ninth year of eligibility. What? Huh? How? How? You're right. How? Why could I not do that? I would have loved to have been in college for free for nine years. All these kids, I went on this rant with Bucky last week. All, all these people like, 
dude, go get a job. Go do something. Maybe football's not for you. No, this kid's a genius, and y'all are all jealous that he's found a way to get nine years of free college. Dude, that guy is living all of our dreams. Has he been in Miami the entire time, too? It's a good question. There's no way that's legal, right? There's got to be some sort of grad transfer that gives you a year or two. Looks like he started at Oregon, or at least he was at Oregon at some point. Wow. So he's at least been at two spots. What's his name? Cam McCormick. He had four consecutive season-ending injuries at Oregon from 18 to 21. So he got those years, and he got the COVID year. So there's your uh, nine years right there. That's incredible. Here he is. Okay, so Miami was, this one year Miami was last season. So yeah, he was at Oregon, I guess, for, what, seven seasons? (laughs) Because of injuries, and then he transferred to the U. Oh, he he followed Cristobal there. Well, not directly, but. After he ran through all the co-eds at Oregon through seven years, he's like, let me go to the opposite side of the country and see what I can find down in Coral Gables. Not a bad move there uh, for Cam McCormick. I mean, I caught passes from Justin Herbert for theoretically three seasons, but he only caught passes in two of those. He caught passes from Mariota, I think. Maybe Dennis Dixon, too. 2017. <laughs> I hear, Achille, I hear he, uh, he was a practice squad guy for Achilles Smith. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we've got some, we've had some six year guys, right? Shipley, Scaife, yeah. Christian Jones. I didn't realize Ben was a six year guy, though. I was looking at, I think, Horns 24 7 this morning, and uh, Jeff Howe had an article talking about Ben coming back, and he's like, Bender returns for a six-year. I'm like, damn. So we'll take it. I mean, the, the team Texas lost to had a bunch of six-year guys. Exactly. Experience matters. So, um, yeah, I mean, Texas obviously losing a lot. A lot of people to replace from this 2023 team. But you want to bring back as many experienced, talented players that you can. And uh, David Bender is one of those. He's experienced and he's talented. So good news for uh, Texas Longhorn football. Ooh, we got a new mock draft from ESPN Plus, BK. Dude, great minds think, because I was actually about to go there. Don't look at it yet. Have you already looked at it? Nope. I'm just, I just clicked on it. Okay, I haven't looked at anything. So I will tell you that there are two Longhorns in the first round of Jordan Reed's latest mock draft on ESPN.com. They are going 26th and 29th. I'll give you the teams in a moment, but I want you to see if you can guess which two Texas players Jordan Reed has going in round one. Who's picking at 26? Okay. Uh, I'll give you that. Houston is 26, and Buffalo is 29. By the way, that oh, Texans, wow. pick, okay. Texans pick is courtesy of Cleveland, for those wondering. Um, where that I was going to guess the two receivers, and I may still go... What about Tavondre Sweat to the Texans and uh, Xavier Worthy to the Bills? Oh, for two. Damn. But you're not far off because it's Byron Murphy to the Texans. Oh. And Adonai Mitchell to the Bills. I Yeah, I understand the shift in thinking where Byron Murphy is the guy who gets selected first between he and Sweat just because he does seem like more of an every-down player. Yeah, sweat making an impact when he's out there, but you got to make sure you're getting him proper rest in between two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Murphy. I don't know who's going to be a better pro between A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy because I see a lot of positives for both guys at the next level. I do too. I do too. And all those guys could be first round picks. And Jatavion Sanders could be a first round pick. Like Texas has five borderline first. Second round guys this year. I don't think any of those dudes are locks to go in round one, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's like there's a chance that all five of those guys could go in round one. If you look at a different mock draft, it will have JT Sanders, Xavier Worthy, and Tavondre Sweat going in round one, and Byron Murphy and AD Mitchell won't be off the board until day two. So it really is like a flavor of the month kind of thing. 
we've got the whole pre-draft process that these guys need to need to go through and we'll see how they do at the combine and all of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Texas could have five first round picks. They could have zero first round picks. Odds are there will be at least one or two who uh, hear their names called on Thursday, but um, yeah, just it's, it's weird. Like no super obvious top end guy, but a bunch of really, really talented players as we know who uh, will be going in the top 50 picks. You would think. I'm just scrolling through each of their team and each of these teams and their supposed selection. Boy, I hope they're right about the quarterback that Denver goes with at 12. This would be the most Denver Broncos pick, or I guess in line with uh, all the picks that they've made over the years. JJ McCarthy from Michigan at 12. Yeah, because I, you know, he'll he'll probably be the fourth QB off the board. It'll be you know Williams, May, Daniels in some order as the first three QBs going. Uh, and I guess McCarthy is next in line there. So that would, yeah, Denver's in a tough spot here if they decide to move on from Russ because they're not drafting high enough to get one of those three super highly touted guys. I know part of the name of the game here is putting putting some names on the list that people will recognize. I'd be shocked if J.J. McCarthy ends up as a first-round pick, though. Really? Yeah. <sighs> I'd be yeah, pretty shocked. Lots of questions about his consistency right now. Yeah, he's but... on display in their championship game win on Monday night. Like he made plays with his legs at times, and he made some throws. There were some bad throws in there too, though. If he's a first round pick right now, then I have a hard time thinking he won't be a first round pick after working out because he's got the physical size and stature that teams look for. And I think he does have a good enough arm to where he's going to impress at pro days. Okay. So it's like, you're right. No, there are questions about the film and about his consistency, but he's got no more games to play. Like if the, if the tape was good enough to have him in the first round, I think uh, all of the other stuff that he brings to the table is going to keep him in the first round. And also you got to remember teams reach on QBs. Like that, that's the real thing here. You know, McCarthy a first round talent no probably not but because teams are so desperate to get that position right then he's going to end up going in the first round you only have to go back a year to think of a guy who had really sloppy or inconsistent game tape but blew people away with his pre-draft workouts who ends up getting selected in the top five with Anthony Richardson so McCarthy obviously has great athleticism and if he if he's a good practice guy then yeah you're, you're probably right Somebody will take a chance on him because getting that fifth year on that rookie deal for a quarterback means a lot. Yep. And McCarthy's got better film than Anthony Richardson did. No doubt about that. I mean, that, that you can only take that comparison so far. But sure. he also had a lot of expectations this year, and he, he led his team to a national championship. But it's almost like they won the championship in spite of not needing a whole lot out of their quarterback. You're right. Yeah. Jordan Reed has Caleb Williams won to Chicago. Drake May two to the Commanders, and then Jaden Daniels three to the Patriots. So he's got QB, QB, QB to start off the draft, and could happen. It could happen. We've seen it before, and we might see it again this year because all three of those guys are really good. And if Chicago decides that uh, they're ready to move on from Justin Fields, then uh, it makes sense for them. Hell, even if they trade that pick, like they'll trade it to a team that wants a quarterback. So even if it's not the Bears going one one. They'll, there's a good chance we still have quarterbacks go off the board in the top three. How about not just quarterbacks going in the top three, but picks four through six, all being wide receivers too. With Marvin Harrison Jr. going to Arizona at four, Malik Neighbors from LSU going five to the Chargers. Boy, they're going to spend more first-round draft capital on a wide receiver. That would be an interesting move. And then uh, the Giants at six take Romeo Odunze, uh, who uh, Texas fans are obviously familiar with. Out of Washington. Did you put an accent on his name? Rome Odunze? What is it? Just Rome. Rome Odunze. There you go. <laughs> it's clear, clearly at the game, and I've heard Odunze a lot, and I just don't recall the Rome slash Rome. Rome Odunze. Going six. Yeah. I mean, that wide receivers are important. You, you need those guys. You need those guys nowadays. And uh, all three of those cats are good. But that is – I don't know if we've ever seen that – Three quarterbacks and three receivers in the top six. I don't know if we've seen that in the top 10, let alone the first six picks in the draft. But uh, that's where we're at right now, and that's what this draft class is looking like. But still three and a half months till we get to the uh, 
actual draft. All right, got about nine minutes left in today's program before we hand things off to Ship and Zay. Quick shout out to Olipop. I was drinking the uh, cream soda flavor of Olipop this morning. Love that stuff. It's a great tasting soda that's actually good for you. Uh, pick it up wherever you buy your groceries. It's the easiest New Year's resolution of all time because you're drinking a great tasting soda, but it's actually good for you. So if you're trying to be healthier this year, Olipop, easiest thing you could possibly do. And shout out to Covert Bee Cave as well. Come on, if you're looking for a car, you know to call the Coverts and check out their brand new spot in Bee Cave off of 71. They've got seven different brands out there. Something for everybody. If you're looking for something super nice, get you one of those Escalades. Those things are gorgeous. They've got the pre-owned selection as well. So if you're just looking for something used, maybe for yourself, for the kid, for their first car, they've got it all at Covert Bee Cave. Massive selection, incredible service, and unbeatable prices out there at Covert Bee Cave, or you can check them out online at covertbeecave.com. Trey, live recorded today. What are you feeling? Let's go recorded, please. Here we go. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. As us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. BK, we have another story involving somebody defecating in an airplane over our friendly skies. Oh, no. Dave Matthews Band. Well, thankfully, it didn't drop onto unsuspecting old people, pregnant women, and children on an architecture tour boat below. But yes, unencumbered shit has impacted another flight. This one... A Delta flight on Christmas Eve. Oh. A parent claims that a fellow passenger pooped their pants on a Delta flight on Christmas Eve and left excrement smeared all over the seat. This was related to us, the people, via a Reddit post. Oh, okay. Shit all over their seat, wrote the unidentified flyer in a post. According to the thread... The incident occurred while the Redditor and their eight-year-old daughter were on a connecting flight from Birmingham, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, en route to Key West, Florida. So Birmingham to Atlanta. I think that's a very common place where you might see somebody shit themselves on an airplane. Shortly after takeoff, the Redditor noticed a horrific odor wafting through the cabin, leading him to believe that his kid maybe had an accident. Quote, about 20 minutes into the flight, I got a terrible smell and asked my daughter if she had pooted. She's eight. She denies any wrongdoing, and the smell lingers for the rest of the flight. It wasn't until they landed that they discovered the appalling source of the stench. While deplaning, they saw a person eight rows in front of them who had pooped all over, so the bottom and the back of the seat were completely covered in feces. He, this person added in the comments that the excrement went halfway up the passenger's back as well. This person had shit for a good hour. I'm sorry. This person had sit, sat in their shit for a good hour and then departed into Atlanta airport covered in shit. The poster also elaborated that the plane had taxied on the runway for 45 minutes meaning that this passenger had sat in their own manure that entire time until they could actually get to a gate. There's no way. There's no way all of this is true. So you think this is made up? I hope it's made up. I do too. So they, okay, they stayed in their seat. They shat themselves. No one else noticed it. No one else took a picture. 
But this woman eight rows back decides to post about it on the internet weeks after it happened. And that's our only evidence here. Hey, just because we haven't seen a picture yet doesn't mean a picture doesn't exist. True. But, God, in 2023 to 2024, that picture is going out there right away. Or someone is at least tweeting like, it smells like shit on this airplane. And then they're following it up with, oh, here's why it smelled like shit on this airplane. Yeah? It's possible, but... Some things are left unspoken slash tweeted about. So they, they this didn't person has made sure to expose this heinousness. Let me ask you this, because we had the story of the Alaska Airlines flight that had to make an emergency landing in Portland last Friday because a part of the plane just blew off when they were 14 to 16,000 feet in air. The door. What's that? It was the door. It wasn't a door. It was just paneling. Oh, I thought it was a door. It was just paneling. That's what makes the story extra fucked up. If it's the emergency hatch, then you can explain it. The fact that it was just paneling means that something wasn't screwed in properly. And these were brand new airplanes, by the way, which Alaska Airlines just bought a bunch of. So we've all seen the video of this by now. So my question for you, because keep in mind, unlike in horror movies, when a piece of paneling just rips off of an airplane and you're 14,000 feet in air, It doesn't cause everybody to get sucked out of that hole and the airplane to disintegrate to bits. So you can possibly live through that. Would you rather be on that flight or a flight where somebody shits themselves at the very beginning of the flight that you're having to smell and sit within rows of for an hour and a half plus? All right. So this is a loaded question here because there's a lot that goes into this. So if you're on the panel flight where half the aircraft just flies off the aircraft because that makes sense you've got to make an emergency landing you've got a d plane you've got to get on another plane and then that just adds two three four hours to your trip versus in this shit situation now there was a shit on a plane story that we talked about last year where they did make an emergency landing because it was an international flight. They made an an emergency landing before they got across the ocean. But in this instance, there's no emergency landing. So you're asking me if I'd like rather sit in a shit flight that's, let's say, two hours long or have to deal with an emergency landing, deplane and replane with the new panel. Do I have this right? That is correct. And keep in mind... That it is a Birmingham to Atlanta flight. So a lot of people on this flight are, I won't say immune to this, but they've dealt with a version of it throughout their lives. They do leave, live in the deep south after all. Yeah, but I don't. So I'd rather do the deplaning bit. I'd rather have the side panel of the airplane fly off as long as it doesn't hurt me, right? Like if I am the guy sitting right next to that and I get injured from this, then okay, I'll smell the shit over getting hurt. But as long as I'm like far enough away on that plane to where it doesn't impact me, then I'd rather do that than have to sit right around somebody's dung for hours on end. Yeah. Especially if you're within like a row or two, or maybe you're sitting on that row. You can kind of see what's going on. I mean, the smell is one thing, but to just have to look at that desecrant, that sick person. And they, probably are literally sick. There's probably some sort of major health issue that they're dealing with. I'm assuming they were an older person who doesn't always have proper control over their bowels. And we used to call it lava flow with our kids. Whenever they would shit so much, it would come out of the back of their diaper. Something like that probably happened here. Like you just assume that it's some regular dude. Like... Like Chip Brown's eight rows in front of you and he gets up and there's like shit all over the place. It's not Chip Brown though. Chip is a healthy dude. It's probably somebody more like Bucky Godbolt who's moving really slowly. If you didn't know any better, you saw him walking past the tent city. You assume that he's a homeless guy. It's probably somebody like that to where there is something more serious going on there. Dude, that is so gross. If you're sitting next to that person, like you got to get a new seat. And if the flight's full I don't care that we're about to land. I'm standing. All right. I, I I'm not I'm not sitting by this guy. <laughs> God. And that's an emergency. I'm trying, the- 
I'm trying to stand up landing here. I'm trying to land while seated in that the nasty porta pot in the sky at the back of the plane. I am going to be anywhere other than that row. Yeah, I'm sitting on the flight attendant's lap or something. Like, if you need me to have a seat, then that's what's happening. I'm not sitting next to a guy who just defecated all over the seat and it's still there. No, thank you. It's disgusting. Please send me that because uh, I'm going to tell that story to Bucky tomorrow and get his thoughts. And he hates Delta Airlines because his last awful flight experience was with Delta. So he swears he'll never fly on that again. So the fact that this happened on a Delta flight is uh, even better. Oh, yeah. So there were some uh, funny tweets about this. Hold on. Let me find the one. Uh, here we go. Bucky will appreciate this. One uh, one Redditor commenter wrote, whoever smelted Delta. <laughs> not bad. That wasn't that good either. <laughs> yeah, not bad, not good. Uh, all right. It's time to bring on the fellas. I don't know if they have any thoughts about this one. Hopefully, Chip or Zay have never had to deal with someone defecating on a flight. That was our where we yet. story today. By the not way, yet. the first rule of shitting yourself, BK, is you have to throw away the underwear that you're wearing at the time. The first plane is sh- uh, first uh, rule of shitting yourself on an airplane is that airplane has to be thrown on the scrap heap. You can't use that airplane anymore. There's no way that plane is ever going to be clean enough for anybody else to ever use it again. I agree. Uh, yeah, it's pretty gross. Chip's going to be on a lot more planes than I am, so... He has a better chance of dealing with some shit like that. No pun intended. Mm. But me, uh, I don't know. I feel like I have good enough luck not to deal with those things. But, but let- strangely disgusting on planes just in general without this instance. Like the number of people that I see on airplanes now, barefoot, like maybe they wear flip-flops onto the airplane, but they're just barefoot in their seat during the flight putting their foot up on the the armrest in front of them or on the seat in front of them or clipping their toenails or something like people need to get some common damn sense here. It's just like the instance with the chicken or dog in that coffee shop a couple months ago. It's like, this is not your fucking living room here. This is an airplane. Stop Uh, it. Yeah. You can crap yourself in your living room, but don't do it on this airplane. It's more acceptable in your living room than it is an airplane. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So, hey, hey, man, I'm CB. It's New Orleans. Your boy was drinking. I got peer pressured into it. We <laughs> didn't have the same spoon. That's the thing. We didn't have the same spoon. That's yeah. it. Wasn't no lady in a tramp shit. Exactly. Very comfortable with my sexuality. Bucky Gobble, leave me the hell alone. Calling me yesterday, talking about that's a sweet picture, ain't it? This and that, like, I'm not trying to hear that shit. Trey, you're my guy. I'd do it again, damn it. We're gumbo buddies. We share rue from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Chip, have you seen this? Do you have a guest on or something immediately that you have to get to? No, we're good. Okay, let me let me show you this picture that uh, the fellas are talking about. I'm not sure if you've seen this one yet. He should have on the group text. This this comes from uh, I didn't even see this until like today. So <laughs> this is a picture from New Orleans of Trey and Zay sharing some gumbo together. And I've never seen either one of those guys look that happy before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying laughing because Trey's forcing me to take the picture. Like I I can't stop laughing because I know how suspect it looks. I just knew, and I was like, "Damn it, this is gonna get out. I'm gonna get clowned for it." But again, I was already a little tipsy. You know what I'm saying? We had different spoons. People share desserts all the time. Why not gumbo? I don't get it. I'm calling bullshit on you being tipsy. You didn't start drinking until after dinner. I'm sorry, I have to call bullshit. Man. That was a very sober decision you made. You may have been peer pressured into it. As a matter of fact, this is about an hour and a half before uh, Chip. We came with you to uh, to that party, so this was a very strange night that started out with a very innocent picture. It was a very strange night. Now I know how it started. <laughs> that while I was somehow roped into trying to save this woman's birthday party. Yeah. You all were eagerly sharing a bowl of soup. 
Look at their look at their knuckles too. They're like touching. They're, they're, they're touching not touching. Skin. There's a little space there. No way. There's there. contact. There's contact there. Ball was tipped. Contact. Hey, at, that's good culture. At most, there was a gumbo dap. That's all that's it was. Strong. All the cool kids are doing it these days, okay? You know Got what? Me and, Trey, me and Trey, we're going to break racism. Look at this. This needs to that go is, viral. This needs to go so viral. There's so many things that are just plain beautiful about that picture. Exactly. Look at that this is, very clear harmony. white person and this that midnight is, dark black person getting along, sharing a bowl of gumbo. That is brotherhood. That is culture. That is connection. Look, this Texas Sports Unfiltered team is connected. Thank you. You have a guy in the background who's having a very serious conversation with nobody sitting across from him, too. I mean, there's a lot going on in this picture here. That guy's yeah. talking to ghosts. I mean, <laughs> and New Orleans is big on that. Like, they have tours where you can go see ghosts and vampires and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, we got some New Orleans flavor right there. Dude's talking to a ghost. You guys might have ended racism, but you brought back homophobia. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's enough. Y'all got oh, better things to talk about, I think. Yeah, that picture is very gay. If by gay you're talking about happy, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we'll be listening, gentlemen. Y'all have a great show. Thanks, fellas. Great show. Love you guys. Appreciate y'all.